Hello and welcome to Credit Conversations with Savaskia. Merry Christmas. Yes, I believe Santa came and left some gifts under your tree last night. Now, if you wasn't good, you might have got some cold, but hopefully that was not the case. I hope you're enjoying and spending a wonderful holiday with your family as I am uh, speaking to you right now, but definitely waiting for this food to get done in the oven. Isn't it exciting? This is a beautiful time of the season and the year uh, to celebrate uh, Jesus Christ, the Savior, has been born. So I wish you a Merry Christmas and a beautiful holiday today. Well, I just stopped by just for a moment uh, just to share with you uh, a little bit just to end our year. Yes, this is the last session for this year, 2021. Uh, And welcome to our first time uh viewing listening to our podcast thank you so much for being here and thank you again always to our credit champions who are growing learning leveraging somebody said leveling up they're leveling up in all of their financial wellness and that's exactly what we do we educate you know We inspire and uh, we give you the basics of spending and budgeting, debt payoff, credit restoration, how to be financially well, which is really good thing to do during this season and during this time. And so we're going to keep on uh, pushing through, right? We've got a few more days before we go into 2022, so I'm going to jump right on in. I'm going to go ahead and end the season this year with a question that kind of gave me an aha moment. And so today's uh, topic is going to be that question. Um, What happens to credit debt? When you die, where does it go? Who does it go to? Uh, does it simply go away? Uh, do you have to pay for it? Does your loved ones have to pay for it? That's a really, really good question, isn't it? So I hope today to be able to answer some of those questions. If you have questions you want to remember, ask Credit Conversations Expert Savaskia. And then tune in on Saturday morning. And so if you if you will email me at SYVOSKIA27 at gmail.com and you have a question, be sure to get that question to me uh the following Tuesday after you've listened to the the podcast. And I would definitely answer your question for you. All right, well, let's jump on in. What happens to credit debt when you die? You know, death has been uh, really a complex, uh, very unpleasant certainties in life, especially with uh, a 2020, 21 year of so many people who have not survived uh, during COVID. And so, you know, it's unpleasant. And with credit card debt, you may have additional anxiety about how debts are handled after your death. I even asked a question myself, so I've done a little research on this. And you may worry about who is responsible for repaying the debt or if the loan will be forgiven upon your debt. And so the the simple answer is that credit card debt, any credit card debt is the borrower's responsibility, not anybody else's, right? But real life situations, they are very much more complicated. What's more, lenders can cause confusion, panic, 
and they tell friends and family to use their own money to pay off someone else's debt, right? Many times uh, your your estate pays debts. Your estate is everything you own when you die. Whatever money you have in the bank, whatever accounts, real estate, other assets. After death, your estate will be settled, meaning anyone you owe has the right to get paid from that estate, right? And then any other remaining assets will be transferred to your heirs. Really, lenders have a limited amount of time to collect on debts, right? Debts are settled until all debts are satisfied or your estate runs out of money. So that's how it's handled. That's what happens uh, to your credit debt when you die if your estate happens to have to pay that debt, okay? But what about different other types of debt when it comes to paying out debts after your death? The type of debt will matter again. There's a priority uh, which debts get paid off and how they will get paid, right? So the first thing, as we said, we look at credit card debt, which no one will be responsible for, right? Uh, uh, no collateral is required to secure it to loan on a personal loan. So lenders have to hope that, they hope that it's in an estate that it will pay it off. But if not, no one's responsible. I think student loan is probably also unsecured in most cases. However, these loans, sometimes they are discharged, they're forgiven at the death of the borrower, especially with federal loans, right? Which are more consumer-friendly than your private student loans, all right? And so... For example, the death benefit from a life insurance policy is ordinarily protected from creditors. Uh, They can't take debt that that person owes and try to sue against the insurance policy, as an example. That won't happen. Um, Other things we can think about, you know, when you have a designated beneficiary, right, and in your will, someone that you've chosen uh, to receive all your assets in death. And so you may have retirement accounts, IRA, 401ks, life insurance policy, all all types of things that uh, you want to designate someone without going through probate court, right? And so uh, it doesn't matter because the will only applies to assets. That's what's part of your estate. But the beneficiary designations allow you, that allows you to just bypass all of that. So that's another thing that I've learned. Um, you have some other options. You know, there's always pros and cons on how you want to approach this. Uh, and, you know, there are several other ways to keep assets from going through a pro, probate that includes trust and other arrangements. So that's really something to think about. Even think about marriage and community property. What happens to that debt, that credit debt? Uh, if it's a state, the state pays off the debt before property is passed on to the heirs, right? In some case, a surviving spouse may have to pay off debts that a deceased spouse took on, even if the surviving spouse never signed a loan agreement. Yes, that does happen or don't don't uh, be defrauded by lenders right yeah and so we think about shared accounts you think about um home loans you think about auto loans right uh when you buy a home and, and you borrow money that loan is typically secured with a lien against it the good, good news about that uh, the lender could take it into foreclosure, but most of the time lenders uh, uh, have an option. Federal law makes it easier for certain family members and heirs to take over home loans and keep the house. So don't expect that the lender would automatically want to foreclose on a loan should um, your credit debt for your home ownership 
puts uh, the family members in a bind. I'm going to take a break for just a moment and we're going to have a short commercial and I'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. We're talking about credit, debt, and what happens to it once you die. You know, paying debts after your death, if your estate does not have enough assets to cover all your debts, you know, pretty much lenders are, they're out of luck. I mean, if you have $10,000 in debt and the only asset you had was 2000 in the bank, then pretty much your lenders are going to have to write off that debt, you know. And so um, when assets skip probate, they are not required to be used to be paid off debt. So that may be something you want to look at uh, when looking at your will or getting a will and setting up your will so you can see exactly how all of this is going to be handed. And definitely having that uh, designated beneficiary is really is what's going to help you uh, to control that, right? As well as your surviving spouse and what uh, bills and debts that they may have and, um, and even community property uh, that you may have. You want to find out the laws of the state, how that's happened. Uh, so let's talk about your shared accounts. In some cases, relatives and friends are required to pay off debts for a borrower who has died. It is often the case when multiple borrowers are on account. So that is something considered if you have a shared uh, bank account. What about joint accounts? Uh, joint accounts that are opened by more than one borrower. It is most common with married couples, but it can happen in any type of in partnership. It could be a business partnership. You know, if each borrower has 100% responsible for the debt on a credit card, it doesn't matter if you never used a card. If you share expenses, it's 50-50. So many things to consider, right? Uh, what happens to our credit card debt? Of course, you're not going to be worried about it because, you know, you're going to be just fine. Right. But co-signing, co-signing is 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 a little bit more risky. Uh, a co-signer applies for credit with someone else and the co-signers good credit and strong income helps the borrow. Right. However, co-signers don't get to borrow. All they do is guarantee they're like a loan guarantee that your loan is going to get paid back. So what happens? Say today I'm talking to you. And you have co-signed and this borrower dies, you are generally required to repay the debt. But there may be few exceptions, particularly if it's student loan. Uh, but you should be willing and able to repay your loan. And and that will happen. You know, I co-signed signed on the loan and and someone died, and guess what happened? I had to make sure. That loan was paid off, so this is this is real stuff. So credit and where your and, and your debt after debt does make a difference. It really does. What about an authorized user? Now this is um, authorized card holders are typically not required to pay off credit card debt when the primary borrower dies. So exists. Uh, you're trying to build up your credit and auntie uh, puts you on her card, right? And say the card's at $10,000 and then auntie dies, okay? You are not responsible for that $10,000, right? Uh, and they cannot take legal uh, issue against you. That's really good news. But you need, you know... You want to go ahead from that point because you was an authorized user. If you want to take over the card and the borrower dies, you can do so. You just need to apply with the card issuer and get approved based on your credit scores and income. Well, we're almost at the close. And if you've tuned in to today's show, we have just been 
sharing some awesome information as a question came to me, you know, what happens to your credit uh, card debt or any debt <laughs> once you died, right? That is ultimately on your credit. Um, you know, we talked about last week, we gave information on debt collectors because uh, handling debts after debt can be com- confusing, Uh the emotional stress, um, you know, and so you've got to deal with these collectors, right? And so we learned about last week on how to deal with debt collections and, and what rights they have and what rights they don't have. But I also say also, you know, seek a legal counsel uh, for someone. If anyone asks you to pay off any credit card debt for a deceased person, you know, collectors are often confused and they're just eager. They're just doing their job. They're called to collect. So that's exactly what they want to do. And sometimes they're even dishonest. So don't assume that you're liable just because someone says you are, right? Uh, so be aware of that. So we have um, talked about estate planning. Um, and, you know, it's just a good thing, you know, Life insurance can help pay off debt when you die, especially if someone else will be responsible for your death. Life insurance protects your loved ones. And that's that's what we want to do. You know, we teach people how to build, how to organize, how to protect their financial future. And, you know, it can be used for any purpose. You know, life insurance can include paying off that credit card debt. Um, Life insurance can include... Uh, paying off the debt on a home loan or some type of in- equity loan, right? So you you may want to consider simplifying your finances before, you, you know, we do leave here. Things will be much easier for your executor. If you have numerous unused accounts, consider closing them. However, we know there's a consequence of your score if you close too many of those, right? And then remember, when assets pass to a designated beneficiary, they can bypass probate and they're not available to the creditors. So you may, if you have a will, you may want to go back and look at your will. And if feasibly possible, I would have a designated beneficiary so it doesn't have to be in probate court. Of course, you know, in our cases, it doesn't work that way. I do understand Check with your retirement account. See who's custodian over that as it regards to your credit and your debt. And review your beneficiary designations frequently, right? If you become the executor of an estate right now, uh, it's important to handle a deceased borrower's debt correctly. And if you are an executor even now that someone's named you, you may want to consider getting with them and talking about what they wish to see uh, and make sure that you're on task with that. Uh, and then in any assets with, with credit and debt, when that uh, person does uh, leave here uh, by death, then as an executor, you want to make sure you get plenty of copies, uh, certificate, death certificate. Uh, you want to make sure that you reach out to creditors and let them know Uh, The borrowers had passed. I actually had to do that uh, for my husband and my daughter because they will continue uh, to send you bills. Uh, I'll never forget that. She was getting one from Victoria's Secrets. And I remember I finally had to let them know. um, And I had to send them a copy of her death certificate. And so once I did that, uh, the charges was, you know, basically dismissed. Uh, make sure you notify the Social Security Administration. Um, pull a credit report for the deceased. You know I mean, you can use this report to identify lenders that may need to be notified of the borrower's doubts. And if you have any doubts, you know, always call on an attorney uh, to get some legal advice for that. And uh, when in doubt, Get, get help. If you're not sure how to handle a situation, there's nothing wrong with doing so. You know, the deceased person chose you based on your judgment and you can decide that uh, professional assistance and how 
you need uh, to use it. So I certainly hope that this information has been uh, helpful for you today. And just to remember that there are some things that you can do on your credit debt uh, that we all can do, I should say, once we leave this side of earth. And so thank you for tuning in today. Continue to wonder, have a wonderful Merry Christmas and holiday with your family. And uh, I will see you next time. When I hear from me next time, it would be a new year. And I am excited what's going to happen in the new year. Are you? I'm really fired up about 2022. So in the meantime, remember, credit is your asset. Hello, Happy New Year's. Welcome to another conversation with Savanskia. I hope you all are having an awesome day. We had some snow. How about that? Depending on where you located, you may have some snow too. I am so excited for this new year, 2022. Are you ready for 2022? Are you credit ready for 2022? That might be the question for the day. I'm excited. I've had some questions that have been coming in uh, for the podcast. So today I'm going to address some of those questions. Before I get in, uh, into the podcast, though, I want to say uh, thank you. Uh, we have celebrated one year on EnvisionRadio.com. Yes, one year. And I'm going to be lining up uh, some guests to come and celebrate with me within these next few weeks. But I wanted to launch it off today because I am so exciting. Uh, Vision Radio, where Praise Mix Talk, is a phenomenal internet radio station that is giving... um, people opportunities to bring so many exciting uh, programs uh, to the station. Even after I'm done, get ready for a cup of flow. Uh, If you want some flow, just get ready. They're going to come on next after me. But I tell you, I know that God is ready to do some amazing things in 2022. So you get ready and join this journey. Uh, Some of the things we're going to be talking about this year uh, is credit hacks. Yep, we're going to have the 21 credit hacks we're going to be talking about. Uh, And we're today, uh, we're going to talk about how long does it take to build your credit? That was a question that came in. So we're going to talk about that. And then, you know, We want you to know that we are here. We are here to help you to build, organize, and protect your financial future. And so, you know, they say knowledge is power. But you know what knowledge really is? Knowledge is when it's applied knowledge. We can give you all the knowledge and all the information. But when you apply that knowledge... Oh, yeah, you can see some major changes in your life. So if this is your first time uh, tuning into the podcast, I want to say welcome. So glad that you are here and you've tuned in today to have a conversation with Savaskia. I also want to say thank you to my returning uh, podcast um listeners who have been listening all over the United States. So glad that you are here. I call them my credit champions because they have been with me uh, running this race for about a year. Uh, They've actually went out and purchased my book. You can get my book. Uh, It's online. It's available at amazon.com and it's called Credit Champion. 
And this book is really there to help you uh, with a practical guide to leverage your wealth and, and to increase your purchasing power. And so we want to make sure that we are giving you the tools, uh, giving you the education, giving you the inspiration that you need so that you can be your best self. Well, let's get on into the podcast now. One of the things um, I normally start, I, I come with a a word for the day or a word for the week. And so this particular uh, word is um, hmm, insanity. Wow. Insanity is to keep on doing the same old thing but getting the same old results. Insanity. Think about that for a minute. If we're really uh, wanting to make a change, then 2022 has to be different. So we can't allow insanity to make us keep doing the same old things when we want different results. So wouldn't you agree? It becomes really insanity if we keep on doing the same old things and looking for the same old results. So I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to some wonderful things this year. So you asked the questions. So here are the answers. How long does it take to build your credit? That's a really, really good question because that Uh, depends on a lot of things, right? Uh, It could take up to six months uh, to get your credit to where you want, depending on where you start from. Uh, How fast can you improve your credit score? Uh, If you need to borrow money but have poor credit or no credit score at all. And it feels like eternity before the number is acceptable to lenders. Still, With positive changes in your credit managing habits, you can see credit score improvements. I've seen it happen. I've seen clients that have come into our credit protection program and have been able to have their credit uh, increase as little as one month. But how, how, how exactly how long does it take to repair your credit or to restore your credit? or to even build your credit from scratch. Here's what we need to know. Here's the question. How long does it take us to build credit from absolutely nothing, right? Now, there's a few reasons why you might not have a credit score. First, you may not have any experience using credit yet. It could be that you were on this podcast and you you haven't even opened a credit card or you haven't even taken out a loan in the past. Then you would have what is known as a thin credit file. So this means there there isn't enough information. Uh, You try to pull your credit report, right? And you literally don't have a score, right? And so this can happen. And if it's been a very long time since you've used credit, uh, or if you're an immigrant into the U.S., you are, or if you've recently been a widowed or divorced, these factors um, can take building your credit from nothing. So that might leave you wondering, how long does it take to build a credit score? At the very least, it's going to take six months if you have no credit. So I'm talking to someone who has no credit at all and you want to establish a credit score from nothing. So according to FICO, the credit score company requires that you have a minimum, you have to have at least one credit account that's been open for six months or more and at least one account with activity that's been reported to the credit agencies within the past six months. And it is possible that you can have one account to satisfy both of these requirements. Um, FICO's third requirement is for generating a credit score is that there can't be any indication on your credit reports that you are deceased. In other words, you can't build a score over someone's deceased, right? I know that sounds strange, but 
strange things do happen, right? Um, And it could happen if you shared your account with someone who was reported deceased. So if you satisfy all these three requirements, right, then uh, you you can be able to have a credit score within six months. Then you can work on the step on improving your score, all right? So can you, how long does it take to build credit? Because I don't have any credit. We think everybody has credit, but actually everybody does not have credit, right? So, the next thing in order to build great credit is possible. You should focus on the most impactful credit score factors. And those are basically making sure that you're paying on time. If you have one account, pay that account on time. If it's a credit card, make sure you don't go over 30%, right? Make sure you do those factors. Those will greatly affect Uh, your new credit score, right? So you ask the question, how long does it take to improve your credit score? All right, I'm going to take a short break and I'm going to come back and I'm going to answer that question. So if you've just tuned in to Credit Conversations with Savaskia, I am asking and answering some questions. How long does it take to build credit? How long does it take to build credit from nothing? And how long does it take to improve your credit score? So say you are on the other end and you do have a credit score. It's not the best credit score, right? So now the question is, how long does it take to get this good credit? How many want to be in what I call the 700 club, right? So let me give you the 700 challenge. I challenge you on that. The timeline can be tricky for improving, particularly if it's a bad credit score. And it's going to depend on how bad your credit is to start. So for instance, if you are dealing with some serious damage, uh, say you took credit out when you were in college, you had all those credit cards, and then as a result of that, now you have all history of collection counts that are on your credit history. In that case, it could take, you know, a year or so, just depending on where you are. Uh, or serious negative marks, such as in a collection count. Or say you have a foreclosure or a bankruptcy will stay on your record for about seven years. But even so, this impact will fade over time, right? So a collection account that is five years old, for instance, will drag your score much less than one that's just five months old. That's according to FICO. So that's why it's so important uh, when you are getting your credit restored uh, that you are not applying for new credit if you have existing credit uh, because that can greatly um, reduce your credit score. As an example, say you have four or five collections on your credit history and then you go apply for new credit, right? And for some some strange reason, you get it, right? You don't know how you got it because you got these collections. Things do happen. So, but that will impact your score. That would drag down your score or less of having that collection on your report. So, you know, there is a Vantage score is another score besides FICO score that we talk about. And some of your credit uh, scoring uh, uh, perimeters are based on this. So let me see if I can give you um, an opportunity to see what this looks like. So, if you're applying for new credit, uh, that would so about three months, right? That's the impact that it's going to have on your credit score would be three months. If you are closing an account, so say you've had a, you've had plenty of credit, you got five credit cards. Now you decide that you're going to close one of those accounts out. Once you close that account out that's probably gonna have an impact on your score 
for about three months. So in other words, the score is going to drop a little bit, but then it's going to go back. Uh, Say that you have maxed out your credit card, right? Uh, Maybe you have a $300 or $1,000 limit and you have charged it like to its full capacity. Um, That's going to have an impact on your credit for about three months as well. And if you miss a payment, that is the most crucial when you're building your credit. Uh, that can that can impact your credit score for one to two years, particularly if it's a car payment or if it's a mortgage. The mortgage industry, once you go late and you're trying to build your credit, you typically have to have 12 months of on-time payment. Yeah, that really impacts your score. And then, of course, bankruptcy. Bankruptcy, 7 to 10 years on your credit history. But here's the good news. The good news is that when your score is low, each positive change you make is likely to have a significant impact. So, for instance, uh, going from a poor credit score, 500, to a fair credit score is going to probably be in the range of 580 to 669. So it may take you about 12 to 18 months of showing that you can be responsible for your credit years, right? I hope this is helping someone. I hope you are learning even more how you build uh, your credit and what does it take. So once you've made it to um, a good credit score, which is between 670 and I say about 739, 740. Don't expect your credit to continue rising steadily. This is where the challenge comes. It can be more challenging to improve your score the higher it gets. So that's the challenge. Once you're into the 700 to the 800 tour tier, you've established very good credit habits and therefore it can be more difficult to have actions drastically change, right? So on the other hand, it's much easier for your credit score to drop a tier once you're at a stable score. So you want to make sure you're keeping up some good credit habits. Yes, this is some amazing, amazing information that's going to help you. So the fastest ways to improve your score, you know, whether you've never had a credit score before or uh, would like to see your score improve, there are steps that you can take, right, uh, to give your credit a boost. It might seem overwhelming, but tracking one area of focus at a time can help you see continued improvement. So there's a lot of moving parts to your credit scores, right? There's a lot of opportunities and there's many strategies that you can use. And and so number one, first of all, know where you stand, right? You can't, you can't improve your score if you don't know what it is, right? So you have to find out, first of all, do you have a credit score, right? Uh, by law, you are entitled uh, to a free credit report from each of the three major credit reporting agencies, annualcreditreport.com. Okay. And so the coronavirus, the pandemic, and the financial turmoil people experience, you can get free reports, right? This is only through April 2022. Okay, I don't know if they're going to expand it. However, credit reports don't, those credit reports won't show your, your score. To see your actual credit score for free, uh, if you have credit, you can check with your credit card company. Uh, if it's like Capital One, I know they have credit wise. And so if you are with a particular company or try your bank, you may be able to get your score there. Obviously, you can work with us on our protection plan services and we can help pull your score, uh, dispute any information 
uh, to help build your credit with, with the tools and services uh, that we have with my company. So number one, know where you stand. Number two, establish a credit account. If you don't have a score yet, you'll need to get your hands on credit and start building one, right? Um, number three, do some credit report housekeeping. Yeah, cleaning. You know, many credit report errors such as missing accounts, incorrect credit limits, even social security numbers drag your score down. You will be surprised at over 80% of inaccuracies that are on your credit history, right? So dispute errors is the best way for easy improvement to build your score. And as I said before, our company is able to help you with that. Number four, you want to lower your utilization. So if you have credit, you want to reduce that, right? Stand to 30%. And number five, you want to make sure you're making your payments on time. And then number six, you want to apply for new credit sparingly. I know it can be tempting to apply for more credit to boost your score, but it's possible you could go too far sometimes, right? So you will slow the growth of your credit score by trying to open too many credits. So there is too many credit accounts. Just start with a couple of accounts, manage those accounts responsibly for a year or two before taking on more um, responsibility and increasing your debt. Well, listen, I'm going to start right there. That is our credit hack for today. How long does it take to build credit? Listen, I've enjoyed uh, having a conversation with you. I want you to remember that you can email me questions at savaskia27 at gmail.com. S-Y-V-O-S-K-I-A-2-7 at gmail.com. And I will answer uh, any questions that you have. We'll put those on the podcast. You can also uh, go out to my website at savaskia.com. That's S-Y-V-O-S-K-I-A.com. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Hello, welcome to Credit Conversations with Savaskia. So glad you have joined me this weekend. It's early Saturday morning here. It's about 10 a.m. And this is a wonderful week of celebration as we will be celebrating this weekend and the first of the week, uh, Martin Luther King's birthday. What an exciting time to celebrate one of the most outstanding civil rights leader of our time. And so I am so excited about that. I certainly hope you are too. I hope that you have had an opportunity to go out and purchase my book, Credit Champion, A Practical Guide to Leveraging Your Wealth and Increasing Your Purchasing Power on Amazon.com. If this is your first time tuning in to our podcast show, I want to say welcome. We are so glad that you thought enough about us to come and visit us on this day. So excited to be on EnvisionRadio.com where praise meets talk. We have some outstanding shows on this podcast. Immediately following my podcast, you will see another podcast called A Cup of Flow. You will be blessed. So I always say, get your ink pen or your pencil or your iPad. Get ready to take some copious notes. We are entering a new series uh, this year, 2022. And we're going to be doing uh, what I call the 21 Credit Hacks. And we are going to be talking about Credit Hack number two this week, Uh, Credit Hack Number one was, how do I build my credit? What does it take to build my credit? So today, I want to come before you because this 
particular credit hack deals with how do we tackle all this student loan debt. And I can't promise you that I have all the answer, but I get a lot of questions uh, from my clients all the time or even uh, potential clients when I meet them. Hey, do you have anything that can help me with my student loans? And so today I just want to touch on that briefly and then share with you some exciting information uh, in which my company uh, is able to share some new products that we can help with student loan management. Isn't that exciting? And I can't wait to share that with you. So, you know, there's so many people right now uh, that uh, are in student loan debt. Uh, so many uh, uh, consumers that have had their credit uh, impacted by student loan debt. And I tell you, uh, these calls for student loan forgiveness continues to intensify consumers. We're looking at, as the first quarter, a national debt of over $1.7 trillion in student loans. Yes, to the government. And also uh, loans that are included with private lenders uh, that you may still be paying on, right? We know that the extended moratorium is going to run through May the 1st this year. And so we just want to be able to give you some more information on how you can tackle all of the student loan debt. Now, I tell you what, I was reading and listening to a CBS Morning Show uh, during the, uh, the holidays. And uh, I thought to myself, wouldn't this be nice if this would happen to everyone? So there was a wife, a couple, surprises her husband by paying off his student loan debt with the gift of zero. How many would like that to happen to you? Well, I tell you, I would love some, for someone to come and pay off all of my student loan with a, with a debt zero. And I'm excited about that for the couple. But the truth is, we don't really have anyone that is going to pay off our student loan debt. Although we're hoping, we're praying uh, that this extension uh, will, will lead to some type of uh, forgiveness across the nation. And even in the extended moratorium, you know, there are some things you can still be doing. You can still make your payments. Uh, you can still uh, lower your balance and you can still uh, pay on your interest from uh, if you're already in an income driven payment plan. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. So I really like to see this happen for a lot of people because it does, student loans does impact your credit and your debt to income ratio. And it is not helping for those who want to become homeowners or those who are trying uh, to expand, uh, perhaps have a small business and trying to expand their small business, but they have this debt that is sitting on their uh, credit history. And so, like I said, I don't have all the answers, but there has been some questions uh, that have been asked of me. And so through credit conversations, I tried to answer those questions to you uh, to uh, the best of my ability. I put a disclaimer because you're probably gonna get many answers depending on who you're talking to. But to my audience who have been tuning in to me for the last year, I want you to know that we've developed a terrific, simple uh, self-guided tour which provides tremendous help uh, enrolling you in this federal benefits that you're entitled to. So the question is, who would like to know more about our student loan manager? Uh, it's a manager that lowers your payments. You can have payments lowered as much as $0 a month. If you're eligible, you can enroll in a plan 
with forgiveness benefits. Uh, many cases resolve if you have student loans currently in a default status, uh, helping those to stop tax offsets uh, through lost tax returns, and, and helping to halt wage garnishments. If you don't know, if your a student loan goes into default, uh, your paycheck can be uh, garnished. Yes, it can. I've, unfortunately, that has happened to many people. And um, we don't want to see that happen to anyone else. And also, this student loan manager can help you to improve your credit scores. And you're able to use this in your own privacy and your own convenience. So who is excited today to learn a little bit more about our student loan manager. Well, I tell you, I am definitely uh, excited about it. And that is what our company is about. Exusia Financial Solution is about, our mission is to help build, organize, and protect your financial future. And we know that student loans is having a great impact on your credit whether you owe 5,000 in student loans or whether you owe $100,000 in student loans. It is definitely impacting your bottom line. And so before I get into answering some of the questions uh, that has been sent to me, and by the way, uh, if there's any topics of items that uh, you do want to discuss, I would like for you to email me at savaskia27 at gmail.com uh, for questions that can be addressed on envisionradio.com, Credit Conversations with Savaskia. So before I move on to those questions, I'm going to take a pause here for a moment and I'll be right back. Okay, I am back and now we're going to dive in to these questions. So question number one, is there such a thing as federal student loan forgiveness? Absolutely. Yes. It just, it just doesn't work like most people think. You see, there is a process that has to be followed right, for federal student loan forgiveness. Now, I know you have heard uh, forgiveness, public forgiveness uh, from working from the government or some type of public position. You've heard of that, but there is a process that has to be followed. And there's also something new uh, that I ran across. There is public forgiveness for clergy uh, that has just recently, within the last a few months has come up. You must have qualifying loans and you have to participate in a qualifying plan. But don't worry, our student loan manager can help you with all of that. Once the qualifying plan is complete, loans will be forgiven. Now, there may or may not be tax implication because this is going to pin on your individual situation, right? We don't know what your current situation. We don't know if, you are, for instance, if you're in default right now. Uh, we don't know uh, if you're in a forbearance, right? Or, or if you're in an income-driven payment plan. So it's going to depend on your inv uh, individual situation. So that answers the question, is there such a thing as federal student loan forgiveness? Uh, the next question is, uh, what will my monthly payments be? So payments can be as low as zero a month. Uh, and most of your income-driven payment plans, uh, depending on your income and your family size, uh, the type of loan and other factors that weigh in, you can uh, have zero uh, monthly payment. Uh, we uh, have a calculator that you can use to learn your estimated options 
uh, before even thinking about going through the student loan manager. And then after reviewing your exact loan situation, you will be provided with your calculated options so that you can make the best choice uh, depending on your own unique situation, okay? So monthly payments, it just depends. Um, another question uh, that came in, can I have my loans removed from a default status? Yes, you can. And I wanna let you know that I have been there before uh, through a change of address locations, uh, did not receive the information uh, from my lender, uh, from the student loan servicer, and I did have a, a default status. That's why I'm letting someone, yes, you can have that. See, nearly all defaulted situations have a path for loans to again, to be in good standing. So it just depends on your situation. Uh, there could be a faster consolidation process or they can be a longer re rehabilitation path. We will explain all of this, your specific options, as we move you along through the process. Isn't that exciting uh, that there is some hope and that there is some help out there? And I know everyone is, is waiting uh, to see what's going to happen, but eventually, you know, this extension of the moratorium uh, on student loans is not going to last forever. And so we want to make sure uh, that we are addressing uh, the student loan debt. Uh, so another question came in, can I stop wage garnishment associated with my federal student loans? Yes, you can. In nearly all situations, there is a process that will stop the garnishments and allow for enrollment in an affordable payment plan. And many of these plans also provide forgiveness benefits. As I use myself as an example, when I uh, did not have the information I needed and uh, was contacted by my lender, I was afforded to go into a default plan, an affordable payment plans. They have affordable payment plans as low as $5 a month that you can get in for nine months. And then once you have satisfied that affordable payment plan, you can then get back into a good student loan plan. Yes. Awesome. 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 Okay. Next question was, Will having my loans removed from my default help my credit score? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it will. Oh, so thankful. I remember once I got out of the default plan, immediately my credit score increased by 75 points just from removing defaulted uh, credit scores from student loans. Yes, it improved the status, the loan status from defaulted, unresolved, will certainly help raise your credit scores. And the amount of improvement in your credit score is an individual issue that depends on a number of personal credit circumstances. So for instance, you may have uh, a defaulted student loan, but you may have some other collections on your personal credit circumstances. So I'm not going to say yours is going 75 points. That's what happened to me. There's always a score determined by your own individual situation, whether you have no credit, lots of credit, and what you owe on your balances. So yes, that is good news. And yes, certainly uh, that will happen. So that's good news, right? All right, let's move on along. Okay, what is our next question here? Okay, question. What does having your loans in forbearance mean? What does that mean? Okay, here's the answer. You are not required to make payments while in forbearance, but this may not be the best path for managing your loans. Why do I tell you that? So while you're in forbearance, you are not working towards a forgiveness goal. 
In other words, you're like your status is halted, right? And so you're not helping your credit because when it's in forbearance, uh, being in a pay, being in a payment plan even as low as zero is much better than being on forbearance. Forbearance is not really reporting anything on your credit score, right? But if you're in a, a a different type of plan, then it is reporting that you're making on time payments, even if it's zero. So even if um if you're an income uh, payment plan right now. Do you know that your payments are reporting on time, even if you're paying zero? And so if you look at your credit portfolio, uh, a student loan is considered to be an installment loan, and that is helping you with your credit. Yes. Awesome. 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 Uh, next question. few more and I'll almost be done. Uh, question is, my income is low now and I cannot afford the payment they are asking for. What are my options? That's a good one because we know that household income has changed. People have lost jobs. Uh, people have lost loved ones. Many economic factors, socioeconomic factors have made an impact. Uh, in the households around the nation. So there are many income flexible payment plans. These plans were created to provide reasonable and affordable options and can be as low as zero a month. And many of these plans also offer uh, forgiveness benefits. Yes. Question, all right. Are there options for parent loans? Yes. Even parents have multiple payment plan options. While some options are different for parents, there definitely are flexible payment choices available that provide forgiveness benefits. So yes, we've got options for parents who have taken on this liability for their children. Yes, through our student loan manager plan, uh, should you want to be part of that, you will learn more about that. Uh, next question. Okay. Can loans be discharged due to a disability? Yes, they can. I actually have uh, a client uh, that I work with that was able to get her student loans discharged due to a disability. Now, I want you to know this is a very difficult process and these applications are rarely approved by the government. You see, the individual must prove that they are 100% and permanently disabled, right? So it may be necessary for the disability to be certified by multiple uh, doctors. This isn't a process that we're able to help with since so few applications are approved by the government. But yes, these can happen. All right. Next question, can I lower my interest rate? Unfortunately, federal programs don't allow for lower interest rates. However, they do provide some great flexible payment options and some choices also offer some forgiveness business fits. So yes, that's what happens with lowering interest rates. Uh, next question. And I think I'm going to come to an end here. So I'm already in an income flexible plan. So is there anything else for me to do? Yes. Remember, income plans must be recertified each year. So even though the moratorium has been extended in May, uh, you want to make sure that you are still recertifying your plan. If this isn't done, the government will place you in the most expensive plan and this plan does not provide forgiveness benefits. So in other words, if you're due and you would have been notified that it's time for you to recertify that, even in this extended moratorium, make sure that you recertify. What is recertify? You're going to upload what your annual income is so that they can make sure that you're still in that particular plan they put you in, right? 
so that come May the 1st, you don't have suddenly finding yourself not in a plan and then all of a sudden you get this hit on your credit history, which could really take your score down. So we don't want any of that happening, right? So listen, you have got the answers to the question, how do we tackle all the student loan debt? Take those answers that I've given you today and make sure that you're managing your student loans. If you are interested in uh, being part of the student loan manager for a very low cost, I want you to contact me uh, by emailing me at savaskia27 at gmail.com. That is spelled S-Y-V-O-S-K-I-A-2-7 at gmail.com. Or you can text me at 502-416-7389 and say student loan management. Well, my time is up here. Certainly want to thank you for tuning into the podcast today. And remember, credit is your asset.